You know how everybody's saying that statistic about how for most of humanity, people died at age like 35? First of all, I don't know if that's true, but these statistics are all very suspect. But if that is true, then me at 37, that makes me a very old man. See, time and age, this whole thing is, is, is really quite relative. I remember I was at a party, and, uh, and I met this fella in his 90s. And we were chatting, and he said, boy, do I miss those 70s. <laughs> I said, wow, he must have had some good 70s. Could have gone back a little further, you know. But I think I told you, I, I recently went uh, backpacking in uh, Bryce Canyon, a few hours outside of Salt Lake City uh, with some friends, and uh, such a beautiful, impressive place. Bryce Canyon started to form 60 million years ago, so just a few million years after the death of the dinosaurs, God rest them. <laughs> when this huge lake formed out there that then had this water pouring in there from different rivers, uh, water that brought in uh, sediment, uh, making, forming layers on the ground of the lake, such that 12 million years ago, when the tectonic plates started to shift, there was a change in elevation of the ground, which was at sea level, that it went up to 9,000 feet, forming this canyon, thus showing all of a sudden all of these layers that had been building up over millions of years. So then you can see the layers on the sides of the cliff. You know, 12 million years after that, you know, I went hiking in there and almost died. Uh, that's another story, but the first day hiking down after we celebrated Mass together, we got hailed on and then rained on and after preparing for the bears, uh, I discovered that when your sleeping bag is rated to 22 degrees Fahrenheit, that doesn't mean you'll be comfortable at 22. It just means you won't die of hypothermia. <laughs> anyway, time is relative. You think about how uh, some people who are young, they seem uh, very old in the bad sense, like life has already become old. Like everybody in high school, like once you get to high school age, Life is already old, right? You can't teach anybody anything. Ah, oh, I've been around the block. I know all this. All the kids walk around with these frowns. You know, this studied lack of interest in anything. This I will be bored no matter what sort of attitude. And the kids, and they also hate their siblings. You know, what's the deal with that? What, you just grow up, you spend a few years together? And already, like, you take for granted so much this person whom you shared a womb with, and you look at them and you don't even see how much they're a gift? Granted, I fought with my brothers my entire life uh, growing up. Today, today, I love them. But you have to think about what it takes to wake up and to be new. What it takes to be happy that we were born. I think of, I think of just this moment in, in Bryce Canyon. If you know, I'm colorblind. So when I look at a rainbow, normally I see like three kind of blurry colors. I saw a double rainbow all the way. And one of the rainbows, I saw five different colors. And that, uh, along with being on vacation, the hiking, the be with, uh, being with good friends, I was overwhelmed with gratitude for the fact that I exist. 
Not for the fact of having anything within life, this particular thing, this particular circumstance, but that I made it. I got called out of the nothingness. You know, the thing that we take for granted the most, the way kids take for granted their siblings, the thing that all of us take for granted the most is the very fact of existence itself. It's like that story I'm always telling, you know, about the two little fish swimming along in the water, and they swim past this older, bigger fish who turns to them and says, morning, boys, how's the water? And the two little fish continue to swim along until one of them turns to the other and says, what the hell is water? (laughs) It's this fact of the greatness of life and the greatness of God being difficult to see, not because it's a fact that's far away from us. On the contrary, it's difficult to see and to recognize precisely because it's so close. This great fact of being called out of nothingness, we could describe it as God's form of hospitality. He invites us into reality by creating us. He welcomes us into his home, into his personal life. He sits us down at the table, shares a meal with us, and tells us about how much he loves us. It's God's hospitality. And not only did he want to call us out of nothingness into being, but he wanted us to keep this life forever so that we would never have to say goodbye to anything that we love, to anyone that we love. This is, of course, the reason why Christ says in the gospel today, of course, you're not worthy of me if you don't hold me higher than even your own family. How could we love Christ more than our family? Well, simple. Consider this. Without Christ, you can't love your family. Without Christ, everything that you hold on to dies in your hands. And the the harder that you hold on to what you love, the faster it goes away, like sand falling between your fingers. Christ is the only possibility of holding on to, of saving those who we love. And as an expression of the truth of the person, Because if you look at a person, let's say this, if you look at your child, your son or your daughter, and you see them, and you don't see their origin, and you don't see their destiny, then you don't see your son or daughter. When you look at the person you love, and you don't see their origin and destiny, you're not seeing them. You're only seeing a partiality of that person, and you will be incapable of loving them. Our origin and destiny, of course, is the life of Christ who gave us this gift and who offers us the gift of eternal life. Our great work, therefore, is to imitate God and the hospitality that he practices, first of all, by recognizing his own hospitality. That's why we see in the gospel, you see Jesus does this shift. First of all, it's, you must love me above everybody. And in the next moment, if you love this person here in the flesh, you love me. If you welcome this person into your home, you welcome me into your home. Such that the relationship with Christ must always be lived in the flesh and can never be lived abstractly as something in the sky or as a good idea or some good moral system or way people should live. But rather, Christ wants you to know how much he loves you through the people that he gives you to recognize 
and you kids with those siblings, you know that God has given you that sibling to help you, to teach you how to love, to help you to recognize the other and to cultivate an awareness of the gift of the other. If even you would consider a little bit what it would be like if your sibling had never existed in the first place, even though I'm sure sometimes you wish that. But so, my friends, let us put ourselves uh, really in front of the great gift of life, in front of God's hospitality for us, and right in this moment at Mass, recognizing how Christ is inviting us to share in His life as we share in His body and blood.